Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome everybody to another Britflix.com podcast. I've got with me the writing director of Citadel, Kieran Foy. Hello, Kieran. Hi, Stuart. And uh, how's how's it going for you today? Not too bad. Well, I'm kind of um, I'm I'm writing the next one, so I'm I kind of I'm I'm lying. I'm actually just bashing my head against the wall because um, I'm I've, I'm I'm stuck in Act Two. So. Uh, so feeling. yeah, I'm I'm doing good, but I could be doing better. <laughs> <laughs> the answers are all in Act Two. That's what everybody. Uh, so the answers are all in Act One, aren't they? By all by all accounts. That's what I heard. I'm not <laughs> sure that works in practice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure either. Right then, we're like we're 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 doing this podcast because we want to promote the DVD release of Citadel. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. 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 So do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what Citadel is? Yeah, um, Citadel is my debut feature film. It's a it's a psychological horror, um, and um, it's about a um, a single father whose um, child gets kidnapped by a gang of feral kids, and um, he's got to go and uh, and rescue rescue her. But um, he also suffers from the condition called agoraphobia, which uh, which means that he's um, afraid to go outside. So. Um, so it's it's something that I I tend to describe as sort of a half psychological horror, half autobiography, um, and the autobiographical part of it stems from my own sort of battles with agoraphobia in in my late teens or early twenties. Um, okay, well, we'll, we'll that, get I've, I've, we'll get onto that after later on in the podcast if that's okay with you. But yeah, I think cool, that gives cool, people cool. It gives people an idea of of the basic story. So if we rewind the clock back a bit. And we think about you as a wannabe filmmaker, and we can you can go as far back to you can go back to the cradle if you want. So, thinking yeah. about your life, what do you think, or what or who represents a tipping point for you wanting to become a filmmaker? I think I, I wanted to be a filmmaker when I was four years old. Um, I was taken to my first the first film I ever saw was Return of the Jedi. Okay, um, and my my dad took me to to that movie, and and I kind of became movie obsessed ever since and um the um got a got a camcorder when i was 12 um was making a lot of little shorts always 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 horror sci-fi kind of stuff hmm. um 
was pretty much apart from my parents, pretty much raised by Spielberg and, and Cameron <laughs> and Verhoeven and all those guys. Um, I I got it uh, into the National Film School of Ireland um, and uh, studied there for four years. Um, that's a good and, leap from um, four years old. Was that? <laughs> so that's, a, that's a hell of a leap from four years old. Yeah, yeah, I, I skipped, I skipped a good decade or so. Um, the, the, um, but you preempted yeah, my question: What formal education have you received? So go on. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So so I went to I went to film school. To be honest, as with most things, or I, I guess most students would sort of echo this in some way, but learned more by by making my own shorts, by by doing rather than listening to lectures, um, and. Um, yeah, I left film school with a with a short called "The Fairies of Blackheath Woods," mm-hmm. um, which is on YouTube if you if you're bored and have three minutes. Um, and and that um, that was kind of my golden ticket, really. In that, it, you know, I won a bunch of awards around the world. It got me an agent um, and sort of opened up the world to uh, you know having producers want to sit down and have a coffee with me. Okay. And at that at that point, was Citadel even a figment of your imagination, or was it um, something you started after that attention started to come around? No, I start I started sketching Citadel out in college because I wanted to write something about my experiences with agoraphobia, um, mm-hmm. which just you know, I mean, I, I suffered with that following a pretty vicious attack by by a gang of a gang of kids, and and I wanted to. Um, I wanted to write something about that, but I'm too much of a geek to to write yes, just a bog standard drama or, or whatever. And and um, so I sort of started to combine it with my lifelong love of horror films. And mm. and so I'd sketched it out in college, but I, it still felt quite raw. It, it still felt um, just too recent in 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 history to to really delve into it that much. So um, after fairies, you know did pretty well and people were asking me you know well have you any I mean that's that's the thing that I wasn't quite ready for I always assumed that you know okay you make you make a cool short and then people will come and talk to you and they might offer you a movie to direct uh-huh. what 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 I realized was they want you to write it as well so um <laughs> the um so I mean I had this in my back pocket and and you know I I, I took it out and started talking about the general idea and then um at one stage, three different producers wanted to do it, um, and you know, I went with one company because because I knew one of the one of the directors in it. Um, because I was on, on weekends, I was I was a runner in a in a in a post production house here in Dublin, and um, you know, you get to know people by serving them coffee and all that kind of stuff. Of course, yeah. Um, and um, I got to know one of the directors of this company, and and so I went with them, and and. Yeah, cut cut to five years later, we were finally rolling cameras on it. It just took so long to 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 get get the money. We, you know, it was only it was one point two million pounds, hmm. um, which is not that much, but but it's um it just took so much time to. I mean, it was it was two thousand seven when we were trying to get this off the ground. So well, right well, at the start of the whole recession and. God, yeah, um, you hit, you hit time, a, but, yeah, a rough, yeah, a rough yeah, patch of time there. But just, just focused on the script for a second, Kieran. 
Um, what what would how would you describe your your kind of writing process for the script? That like you said you'd been sketching this out, but when when it came to I'm going to write this script for this producer that I want to work with. Mm. What was your? Are, are you are you an outliner? Are you just a straight in and write it? You play with cards? Are you burning the midnight? Oh, what? How, how, what's your writing habit? As it were. Well, my my writing habit, much like it is today, is to is to kind of curl up in a fetal position on the couch and <laughs> and and just try and dream the movie out. I, um, I think I I am. Um, yeah, I would have. So I need to know where I'm. I'm going. Um, I'm not one of these guys who can just start with character and, you know, um, and and the plot sort of presents itself. I, I think I need to have something of a vague roadmap, um, you know, so that I know when I'm when I'm lost at sea, you know, where I'm swimming toward. And so, um, so I had. I mean, I had an idea as to you know what the. What, what what were the main sort of things I needed to get across in Act One, Act Two, Act Three, and I always had the ending of the movie mm. in my head, um, and and so um, so yeah, I mean it it actually it was something that I ended up writing relatively quickly, um, but it was it was very it was it was kind of it was quite an, an excruciating process because it was is uh, you know it was something. That I had to try and I was trying to you know I was I was remembering things I'd rather forget I was kind of you know putting my my mind back into. into I was going to say I wanted to ask you that because you, you touch on that on the DVD extras that that idea. So what 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 kind of things as a writer were you having to draw on from your own bad memories of what it was like? You know, there were memories you'd rather forget. What it, what manifests itself in the film? It just just the the kind of that 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 feeling of of the cold feeling of fear and dread mm. and you know especially in act one um when um when the character of tommy is is you know feeling threatened and afraid to go out and and just that sense of you know at a time in my life when when i was going through this and, and didn't have a word for it i was just scared jesus you didn't yeah, look at the front door you know yeah. um and and um you know the 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 um sort of having to bathe my mind in in those memories every day um you know it sounds a bit sort of you know like but I, you, you do kind of have to i firmly believe that you need to feel um whatever it is you're you're writing you know if you're not if you're not you know making yourself laugh when writing a comedy then it's probably not going to be very funny when mm. people you know read it or see it and i think you know that goes for Every emotion. I think you've got to feel excited if you want to go right now. Exciting. Sequence. I mean, I must. I must or, confess. I'm, I'm. I'm. I've got a phobia of dogs. I mean, I'm a lot better than I am. I was when I was a kid. But, right. But what you were talking about on the DVD extra about the way you described phobia was yeah. probably some of the best I've heard somebody describe it for a long while actually, because I could completely right. relate to it from a because phobia because phobia is so irrational. It doesn't matter how many people were to tell me the dog in the park isn't yeah. going to get me. Yeah. Doesn't make me any more excited about going in the park. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, and I think I think when you've got when you have a phobia that has been backed up by something real, like you know, for uh, what I mean is, you, you might you have you mean there are phobias for everything, you mm. know. Um, but but some might be you know might have formed in a person's mind completely, you know, by by you know. Uh, happenstance or or coincidence or whatever but i think when you know whether in your case you know if had you been 
bitten by a dog at one stage and the, the phobia develops from there. Or, or you know, in my case, you know, I, I, a, a horrible attack where I was, you know, beaten with a hammer and, and had a dirty syringe held to my throat. And, and you know, when, when, when something real happens mm. and then the phobia, you know, sort of uh, develops from that, I think that's, that's 10 times more frightening um, because it's, it, you know, you can't be sort of reasoned out of it. You know, you can't be told... But it's just a a clown or whatever you yeah, know people yeah, have yeah, different yeah. phobias about. Um, it's it's you know it's based on something real and tangible that happened to you. You know. So so you said this is this is obviously your, de- your debut feature. Mm, so from yeah. a if if that was the if that was part of the challenge of writing it and obviously I guess I'm guessing the, the pressure must have been been on as well, given it's people going we really like your work. Let's do let's see what you can do with the long form kind of thing. Yeah. But but once you once you got to that point and what did you say you were some. From 2007 till when did it take to get the finance? So we were shooting um, the winter of 2010. Okay. Yeah. So when when you embarked on the so the next stage of the kind of the the, the making you into filmmakers to make the film, what what would you say was a big lesson that you learned from as a debut director that you wouldn't have learned without having done the film that you could pass on to soon to be first time directors that are listening? Um. I could write a book, to be honest. (laughs) Give us, give us your top two then. (laughs) Um, Well, I think the first thing was, you know, um, what ended up being kind of a blessing in disguise, which at the time I really thought, you know, that the sky had fallen in was, was the fact that we shot, we were shooting in Glasgow um, and um, we were shooting in, in the middle of November and the winter of 2010, if you remember, was like the second ice age. It was, was, yes, um, yes. You know, we were shooting for a week. We had 23 days to shoot the whole thing. We were shooting for a week um, before the snow fell. And then the, the skies just opened and the, and the snow just didn't stop falling. Um, and, um, you know, uh, that was it was really tough because we were losing locations on a daily basis. And, and uh, you know, sometimes furiously having to rewrite a scene at night that was based, you know, in, in a particular location that we couldn't get to anymore or whatever. And, and um I think what what I learned there was, you know, my I guess my crutch going into this going into a you know your first film was was my storyboard. Um, in that you know I I always sort of extensively storyboarded everything, and it was more a sense of you know if I get lost in in the chaos of all of this, as long as I shoot this, you know, it's going to make some kind of, you know semblance of sense when it's when it's edited together, but. Um, what I had to do in the middle of it was, was literally chuck the storyboards out the window because, yeah. you know, I'd base those storyboards around certain locations that were, were now gone. Um, and I literally had to sort of, you know, dance on the spot with myself and the DP and, and the actors and, and come up with the, the blocking and the staging, you know, in real time. And, I think what what I learned from that, you know, apart from having the confidence, you know, when I was looking at dailies to, you know, to say to myself, actually, I, I can do this. You know, I don't I don't <laughs> need, necessarily need um, the storyboard like I, like I thought I did. But but what the, the biggest thing I, I, I that, that was a huge eye opener for me was was the difference in performance um, that I got from the actors, you know, from from the first week when I, you know, had my storyboards and, you know, sometimes the actor might have, you know, eight or nine marks 
in you know that I needed them to hit in the scene you know you know I have them say one line and then I want you to walk over here and sit down and say the second line there and you know it was it was almost like mechanical mm. and you forget that you know half the actor's brain is 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 devoted to that you know mechanical part of things and they're 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 trying to remember where they need to be and what what part of this set they need to hit for a certain line but when that was removed um and it was freed up a bit and and i led i led the actors to find the scene and and followed them with the camera and and that kind of thing i got you know the performance just you know the level of performance just shot up um so so that was a huge huge lesson i think you know on on my next movie what i'll what i'll do is i think there's a time and place for you know cool blocking and staging and 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 shots but i think if if a scene is performance heavy yeah, I'm just gonna let let the actors perform, you know. So, um, we'll, so we'll explain the purpose of the scene than 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 say do this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there was especially with your first film, there is a a tendency to want to show off, you know, a little bit of, you know, look, ma, no hands kind of filmmaking when mm. you know you can, you know, you you know you're 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 hoping you're you're making it thinking about other directors watching it going hey this guy has some cool moves you know um and and that's really not to the benefit of the drama and somebody so, like james cosmo who who's been who's been around the block once or twice would you'd be in safe hands wouldn't you i guess with an actor like that yeah well i mean like you know james was still you know sort of you know when i when i'd sit down and talk to him like you know ultimately he he's there to as he was saying, you know, sort of, you know, to, to be directed, you know, and, and, um, you know, he'll give you a good performance, but ultimately, you know, if, if I'm shooting a scene where I've given him, you know, a, a, a puzzle of, of, of blocking and, and staging and marks to hit within a scene, well, naturally a part, you know, a, a good chunk of his, his brain is going to be devoted to, you know, asking himself, have I, have, I, have I hit the right mark here? Did I turn on that line when he said to turn? You know, whereas, you know, allowing, just freeing it up a bit more and, and, and allowing, you know, him to sort of find the scene meant that his entire brain was just vested in, in the drama of the scene and, 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 and being that character in the moment. So I think, you know, it was, um, it was just something that, that, that was, I would have never sort of discovered other than the fact that it was, you know, it was, it was necessary to just <laughs> make the movie, um, given the, the conditions that we were in. Given, so, given so, you, go, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, given the, 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 there was that element of autobiographical to the, uh, to the script, how did you, how did it, how was it selecting the actor for Tommy? You know, obviously if you're, how do you avoid not looking for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I mean that was something that you know, right from the offset, that I, you know, I didn't want to, I wasn't casting myself, you know, it wasn't, you know, the main character is not called Kieran, he's called Tommy, so, yeah, um, uh, you know, I wanted to, to just find somebody who, um, who I believed, um, you know, when when they when they said the words, and, um, you know, we did extensive casting for, for Tommy, and and. Um, an iron who's you know a young welsh actor who um at the time of 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 when i was casting you know he hadn't you know he hadn't been the lead in anything and and um he just i don't know just had an instant rapport with him because he i mean he he had a very similar background in many ways to myself and and when we did you know some some ad-libbing and 
um, in, I mean, in, in casting, I did this thing where, you know, I, I played a, a social worker mm. um, and I was, I was, you know, saying that I was going to take his baby from him because he wasn't fit to look after this child. And, and, you know, he, he, he just became Tommy, you know, and, and really had a powerful, um, you could feel it in the air. It was like, you know, it really had a powerful impact on both myself and the casting director. So that was after seeing about 25 different guys and we, we cast it out of London and um, he just he just stood out head and shoulders above the rest. Nice one. Well, look, now I know you've got to go soon, so I'll just do a couple of last questions Sure. and uh, we can wrap this up. So um, is it, what, what have you got? I mean, what have you got going on in the pipeline? Is there anything you can say about that? Or? Um, I can't say anything better than I'm writing a science fiction film at the moment. Cool. And that's for what? For next summer? For the summer after that? Or? Well, we're hoping to shoot it um, this time next year in Toronto, Canada. But as I've learned in this industry, you know, if you want to make the film gods laugh, you, you tell them your plans. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in that process myself. Um, so finally then, just for a bit of fun, if there was any film that, 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 that the studios were going to reboot and you could choose... What would you write and direct? Um, yeah, I, I think I mean, it's, it's a bit of a tough one because, you know, I, I think that naturally I'd probably say something that, you know, I pick a movie that isn't isn't already great because that just annoys me when they reboot movies that are perfectly fine, you know, or, <laughs> or, or you know, like, the, 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 I mean, they're remaking Robocop at the minute, which kind of just makes me sad. Um, but Every, everybody but, that's seen clips of it and the comments they make make me sad as well because <laughs> it's just it's not good news coming out yeah no it's kind of it, it's just sort of you know where where does it stop are they going to remake Jaws I mean I think I'll retire if they, if they start <laughs> that. but but um, I think a movie which I really I always loved um, the premise of but I, I, I'm not quite sure it was ever pulled off in in a way that you know that could be really cool which was a, it's a science fiction movie from the eighties called Enemy Mine. Okay, um, I remember that. Yeah, with uh, with um, with um, oh man, what is his name? Dennis Quaid. Um, That's right. Yeah, was that a straight? Was that a straight to video one? Really? No, no, no. It came out. It it didn't do that well in 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 theaters. But um, no, I think I saw that on VHS. Then that was all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out in nineteen eighty six. But I, I kind of think you know with. You know, I mean, the it's 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 basically Hell in the Pacific, um, remade as a sci-fi. Um, really? Oh, okay, I never thought about Hell in the Pacific was yeah, U.S. and Japanese pilot crash land on a desert island, and you know, they're mortal enemies, but have to learn to get along, and 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 ultimately, you know, Enemy Mind sort of you know had that you know drama take place in uh, way in the future in the middle of mm. a galactic conflict, but. Um, you know, the alien in it, you know, you look at it now and it was pretty much, you know, it's like Star Trek, the next generation sort of makeup, you know, where it's just, it's literally a guy in a suit with, with some cheap makeup. Um, whereas I think you could do something really cool, like with performance capture. And, and I think if you got, um, you know, um, you, you know, you made it a real drama. I mean, there was, there was hints and touches of enemy mine in, in district nine, but I think, I think if you, if you had just a, just a really sort of you know believable drama between a human and an alien um, who have to sort of you know start out as as mortal enemies but ultimately need to you know become best friends in 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 a in a way you know where they have to sort of band together to survive. 
I don't know. I think there's there's definitely a cool remake in that somewhere. That sounds like a plan to me. Well, look, Kieran, I'm very grateful for your time. Um, this will come. This podcast will come out in a couple of weeks. So, um, on that note, I shall. Uh, we'll, we'll end the podcast, sir. So, uh, best of luck with the best of your writing and uh, where you got to go today. And fingers crossed, you get you get your shoot next autumn. Cheers, Stuart. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.